Welcome back to TCK Care, the podcast. This is your host, creator, and producer, Stephen Black, here with more stories, strategies, and support for third culture kids all around the world in all walks of life. I am sitting in my home in the outskirts of Portland, Oregon, feeling pretty warm. It's pretty warm for me, and I know this, and I know also that that's relative because... You know, when I moved back from Southeast Asia to the U.S., I uh, was living in the Chicago area, and uh, we were sitting around with some uh, local Chicagoans, and one of these gentlemen asked me how I handled the humidity, and I admitted that it was pretty intense, but that, you know, Living in Southeast Asia, you kind of get used to the humidity after a while, and eventually everything becomes normal. And then he made a reference to the humidity in Chicago, and I realized that when he asked me how I was handling the humidity and the heat, what he was referring to was Chicago. But I wasn't aware of that because I had moved back from Southeast Asia, where it actually is hot and humid. And so I thought that he was referring to that, not Chicago, because in my personal opinion at that time, Chicago was in fact neither hot nor humid. It was actually a pretty decent temperature. It was only like 80 or 90 with, you know, like, I don't know, 80, 90% humidity. And I was feeling not too bad about that at the time. And now, after living in Portland for a couple of years, I'm succumbing to acclimation. And I feel warm, and it's only, yeah, low 90s, and the humidity is not very much. So in a way, like, my TCK self is ashamed of me. Like, come on, Steven, you've been through worse. You know what the deal is, and yet I can't help it. So I'm sitting here um, feeling, feeling warm, uh, but then at the same time, I just want to give a nod to all the TCKs out there who are living in places that are much warmer than this, and just know that I'm acknowledging that you have um, you have acclimated to temperatures that I would be extremely uncomfortable with right now. Um, but that's not really what I'm here to talk about. I really wanted to talk about um, how to change your life. And I know there's so many ways to go about that, so many things to be said, and I really wanted to just focus on how do you say it? Just one model of prioritization for how to change your life. And I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that this is the model. This is only, um, that this is something that I have found helpful in um, giving myself grace to work through issues. You know, so, so many times as you're going through life, you come up to moments where where it's just a mess, where life is just a hot mess, and you kind of have to change things, but there's the, you may feel a pressure to change everything. Like, if life is a hot mess, then just change your whole life. And really, you know, that's unrealistic. You can only do so much. You have to keep it together to a certain extent, right? Um, and uh, and at the same time, things do need to change. And so, you know, where do you go? Where do you go about that? Where do you even start? And so that's just, that's what I want to talk, talk a little bit about today, how to change your life, um, but in the context of a model of, a model of prioritization that may take some of the pressure off of doing everything and getting it right. As if there, you know, as if there even is uh, such a, 
such a possibility out there, which is kind of the point. You you can't you can't live life perfectly, right? You can only look back at your life and um, learn from the past and uh, live present in the in live present in the present, be present with yourself in the moment, and um, set yourself up for uh, the best possible future that you know how. Uh, you do the best with what you can um, in the moment, and that's all that anyone can do. Um, but I just wanted to speak to, um, you know, give you give you a model for um, setting yourself up for success. So, as you may know by now, I am indeed in school to become a counselor, um, and we were talking about treatment planning, just planning out a a model of treatment as clients come in. You really want to have uh, have something to work on, and um, when a client first comes in, oftentimes you know you're just getting to know each other, and and the the counselor slash therapist will ask you know what brings you in, and you know what do you what does the client say in that moment? I've been a client many times uh, with different counselors for different reasons at different stages in my life. And the first thing you've got to do is build a relationship. Like that that alliance between the therapist and the counselor is really what makes or breaks the relationship. And so you kind of have to give the whole the whole backstory. You have to set the context. Uh, or if you don't do that right away, then, you know, that, that often comes into play uh, some, somewhere, somehow in the therapeutic um, process. And so... Um, as counselors are listening to uh, to clients and um, getting just uh, getting getting the story and getting a feel for who this person is and where they're at and uh, what their what their life is like what their environment is like uh, it can be sometimes difficult to 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 know the real issue and I've been told that often times the issue is not the issue and that it takes two or three sessions to really build up enough trust and enough lines and to really sort of weed through all of the surface levels like this is what hurts to get down to like the sub the subtext of like or the the real inner truth of this is why it hurts and not just this is what hurts but this is what's wrong what's wrong inside of me you know and so as we're as we're um, talking to clients, the question is, how do you what do you work on first? And that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Like what what might you work on first as you're going through? And I believe that TCKs are oftentimes in crisis. Maybe I should have said this first. I know. I'll go back and edit it so that it sounds like it came first when you're listening to the podcast. Nah, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say this. Um, as TCKs live their lives, I believe that they face a lot of transition, and um, no sane person is gonna disagree with me on that one. And TCKs go through a lot of transition, not only growing up as you're moving around in a highly mobile, multicultural context, but also then growing up. Um, change becomes the new normal, the status quo, the equilibrium, if you will. And so as you grow up, you TCKs sometimes find themselves um, in a state of constant change because change and adaptation is the equilibrium. And in order to maintain the equilibrium, they have to keep changing things up. Um, so it's a new apartment, it's a new job, it's a new relationship. Um, it's a new, you know, maybe it's a new arrangement of furniture within the apartment to substitute for the new apartment since new apartment isn't quite manageable at this time. It's a new country. Um, 
it's a new job because you're stuck in coronavirus and you can't get to a new country, <laughs> whatever the case may be. Um, I believe that TCKs sometimes uh, maintain the maintain the status quo of um, adaptation by um, by finding something to adapt to, and if nothing is changing uh, significantly enough, then changing things up, instigating that change for themselves intentionally. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying as you as you go through that adaptation and that change, um, you really need to be able to focus on uh, what's important uh, and what you can work on um, in order to make your life work as well as it possibly can. And so one of the things that we talked about in uh, my clinical foundations class was um, treatment planning. And um, when clients come in and give you the backstory, what do you work on? What do you talk about? Um, Number one, the number one thing that is encouraged to talk about is the crisis. Oftentimes when people come in, there is some sort of crisis. Um, When people come into counseling, there's some sort of crisis that uh, brought them there. You know, uh, a relationship is going badly or just ended. Um, A job is going badly or just ended. Um, uh, There's been a serious loss. There's been something big and bad that happened that put them into crisis. Um, And uh, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's, too much to manage in that moment, and they just need some extra support. Um, so the number one priority is crisis. Whatever puts you in crisis um, kind of gets first pick. And isn't that true in life? That um, there's a lot of things that you want to do. You want to go to the gym more regularly. You want to eat healthier. You want to, um, you know, spend more quality time with your friends. And yet, the thing that gets the thing that gets the front uh, the front page, the thing that gets your most attention, is whatever crisis is going on. And I, you know, again going back to how TCK sometimes put themselves in adaptation, or in other words, in crisis. I don't, you know, let's not do that to ourselves on purpose, okay? I get that. Um, adaptation is a life skill and that you want to be good at it and you want to stay sharp with your skills but let's not put yourself in crisis don't go looking for a crisis um, just so that you can feel like yourself there is another way to live and you do not you do not have to behave the way that you feel if you feel like you are in crisis that doesn't mean you have to actually be in crisis. That doesn't mean you have to create chaos and crisis in your life. Um, you can if you so choose, but you don't have to. You can do something else. You can just just pretend for a while that you're, you're not in crisis um, and see if that might be true, you know? Uh, so when you have a school assignment like me coming up that you feel is big and bad and maybe too much to handle... It, it feels like a crisis. But what if it wasn't? What if your crisis is not actually a crisis? And all you've got to do is sit down and do the work to submit the assignment and turn it in and move on with your life. Um, maybe a crisis is only a crisis because it feels like that. And if you could just pretend for a little while that it wasn't a crisis and do the thing that you need to do to move through whatever circumstances you find yourself in, on the other end of that, you'll realize... Um, 
you'll realize that you are capable of managing the crisis in your life um, in such a way that it de-escalates into, you know, at most a major life event um, and not necessarily a difficult, unmanageable, painful crisis. But crisis does get uh, first pick. Crisis does come first when you're when when you're trying to figure out what to work on in your life. Um, after crisis comes pain. So maybe it isn't uh, maybe it isn't a crisis, or maybe you're able to work through the crisis. Um, next up is whatever puts you in pain, and this makes a lot of sense, right? Um, there was a joke, and it's a very it's a it's a very like silly joke. I don't even know if it's a joke. Maybe it's just a an anecdote um, that uh, a prof told me back in undergrad. He said um, there was a dog that was. Um, laying on a nail. There was a nail in the porch sticking up and he just lay down on it and it appeared to be very uncomfortable. And so the neighbor says to the owner, you know, why don't you move the dog? And the guy says, when he gets uncomfortable enough, he'll move himself. And the prof said it as if it was supposed to be a joke. I don't know if that's supposed to be funny. If somebody thinks that's funny, I don't think it is, but whatever. But whatever puts you in pain is motivating. And um, you almost don't need to even ask yourself what that is. It's going to be pretty obvious what's put, putting you in pain. And um, next to a crisis, um, that gets first pick. And that makes a lot of sense. And I think that the only danger with, um, put, with dealing with pain is that when you find yourself in pain, um, sometimes you can behave in a way that is not uh, where, how do I say this? Where your emotions are disconnected from your intellect. And I'm not saying that you should act intellectually and not emotionally. Um, Quite to the contrary, I think that you should be emotional um, because you are emotional. You have feelings um, and they deserve your respect. Um, So I think that, um, you know, in dialectical, dialectical behavior therapy they talk about the wise mind and that's where your intellect and your emotions have equal say in your decisions and um, pain can make that difficult because it sort of highlights the feeling and makes it difficult to um, bring intellect into the picture Um, so pain does uh, pain does get precedent after crisis um, but when you're dealing with whatever's putting you in pain remember to uh, hold your intellect and your um, emotions and balance, and if one of those is out of balance, if if either you're, it's all about the feeling for you, and you can't think things through clearly, or your feelings have completely shut down um, because they're too intense, um, and you're looking at things from a purely cognitive, rational uh, frame point. That's when community can be really helpful. You can get somebody else to be your um, emotion meter or your intellect meter. And um, when you're doing something that's really emotional and makes absolutely no sense, that, that that's a great time to rely on your community to just come in and, you know, someone you trust, someone you have a relationship with, someone who knows the situation, and to be able to speak into that situation and call call you out on, um, w- on where your life is out of balance, where your decision-making, where your process is out of balance. Um, so there's crisis, there's pain, um, and then there's sort of whatever is important to you after that. Um, and this really get, goes down to you know your own personal values. I b- really believe, I'm a strong believer that 
Um, life is largely values-based. Um, and um, it's emotion and intellect influenced, but it's sort of values-based. Like you do what you do because that's what you believe in. Um, if you're doing something to feel good, that's because you believe in happiness. You believe in feeling good. Um, if you're doing something um, because it's the right thing to do, then you believe in, I don't know, uh, whatever the virtue is behind that uh, behind that, uh, behind that line of thinking, behind that event, um, behind that process. I believe that life is values-based, and so you need to decide what your values are. And you can look at this backwards, and you can say, here's what I'm doing. I'm spending all of my time at work and no time with my children. Um, and that's because right now I value work. I value prosperity. I value money. Um, and that's true because if you are spending all of your time at work and no time with your children, then, then that is, in fact, what you value. Um, but maybe you don't like those values. Maybe you want to value something else. Maybe you want to value uh, work and success um, equally with family. Well, then you just change your behavior to match your values. You just uh, you have to figure out how to carve out time. Uh, not carve out time. That's terrible. Why would you say that? You have to figure out how to balance the time so that it's um, it, so that you spend as much time in each of your values um, as you're spending everywhere else. Um, otherwise, you just admit that you do value one thing over the other, and you accept that um, that that's just the way it's going to be, and that you have to make sacrifices um, in order to support your values. Um, so, those are the top three. Uh, priorities, crisis, pain, and whatever is important to you. And my personal opinion is that that's largely values-based. Um, after that, the next three items that we discussed in class were uh, whatever is the you know the sub-problem of a problem, like the problem behind a problem, like um, you're having a difficult time in your relationship. And so the relationship itself is the problem, right? But you're having a difficult time in the relationship because you're really having a difficult time um, feeling heard. And the reason you're having a difficult time feeling heard is because um, it's difficult to communicate um, your needs. Um, and so there's this sort of like, what's the sub-problem of the actual problem? So the, the crisis may be like an emotional relationship type crisis, but then the sub-problem of the problem is like um, effective communication. And so... There's that. Then after there's the sub-problem, it's the, you know just whatever adds to the general improvement of your life situation. And after that, it's whatever... Uh, when you, you look at what benefit... You look at, uh, you look at addressing things that the benefit outweighs the cost. So you, you figure out um, what you want out of life, and then you do almost like a pro con list, and on the on the one side you say this is the benefit that I'm going to get out of, you know, this new job, this new this new move, this new um, this new thing, or um, this is the benefit I'll get get out of spending more time with my family and spending more time with my kids, or you know, taking up a hobby or whatever. This is the benefit of what I want to change, and then on the other side, this is the cost that's going to come with that. Um, and so I wanted to mention those. I don't feel like they're as important, and I didn't have as much to say about them. Um, but just to rehearse, what what you can address in your life is, number one, crisis. Number two, what puts you in pain. Number three, 
what's really, really important. Um, and then after that, it's just the sub-problems of the problem, um, whatever adds to your general improvement, and then whatever has the most benefit to you. All right. I have been talking fast and furiously, and I think I'm going to be done now because that was a lot to say. Um, the one other thing that I wanted to say before I go was that I love my patrons. They are super cool people who um, give regularly so that this show can keep uh, keep going, keep on the air. And if you would like to, uh, if you would like for that to be true of you too, go over to TC, sorry, patreon.com slash tckcare or check me out on anchor.fm slash tckcare. Um, you can also give financially through that platform um, to just to stand with me and to help me uh, uh to help me produce this content to keep speaking into the international community to keep um, supporting global nomads in whatever stage of life they're in so thank you to my supporters and my partners um, through uh, anchor and patreon um, please do check that out reach out and as always uh, let me know what you think of the show love to read i'd love to hear from you share the show with someone who needs it and stay tuned subscribe if you haven't done so already for the love of all that is good please subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform because believe it or not i'm gonna have another fantastic show coming at you just next week all right steven out